Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. It's been another week, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's hard to be a woman these days. Womanhood, man. <laughs> yeah, men. <laughs> it's like womanhood, oh man. Womanhood, man. I am Sheesh. I am right there with you. Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm excited about this topic. Like we've, you know, we've had a lot of you and me episodes lately, and we, you know, we're, we're pretty good at saying like this needs to happen now, this needs to happen now. But when I think it's kind of special when an episode comes along because of just like, oh, it needs to happen now. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just kind of feel like that's after this week a little bit of where this episode came from. Plus, we just had Mother's Day. Plus, like springtime and growth and I don't know it just feels like mother naturey time yeah it does so women like I guess let's do a quick content warning so if you have little kids maybe put them away if you are sensitive in in boxes (laughs) yeah put them away in their rooms or you know the 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 headphones that put on the Disney plus (laughs) or you know Baby Shark that play Baby Shark all day. Do 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 do. Um, if you're sensitive to women topics, including rape and incest, because we're gonna get into that today. Oh, so fun. Um, if you are sensitive to men legislating women's bodies, uh, and the tragic things that can happen to women's bodies, and all sorts of just everything that happens with pregnancy, with abortion, with choice, with anti-choice. And I guess it's actually just going to be a reproductive health continuation of our physical health episode, of our feminism episode. And so content warning. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hello, appropriate to content warn. But I also think, you know, I feel a lot like how I felt in the feminism episode, because I feel like I need a little schooling slash I need, I need this cracked open for me a little bit because I I understand that it involves me because I am a woman, period. Right. But I feel like you're much more versed in this than me. And I just need a little help understanding. Well, I uh, I went to school for this. Right. I know this. Yeah. And uh, I paid a lot of money to go to school for this. So let me use my education to help us have a conversation about it. Yes. So we've all heard before that I went to school for women's and gender studies and political science. So a huge crossover in that realm is you know especially in women in american studies and women's reproductive health and the politics surrounding reproduction 
And for a long time, my dream job, until I decided I did not want to go to law school, which we've also talked about, was reproductive rights lawyer. And so um, my junior seminar in political science was reproductive rights law and reproductive rights policy. And when you think of reproductive rights law, a lot of people just immediately start thinking about abortion and, you know, my choice, my body. And that's where we've been in the news all week because... Georgia's passed a horrific law and Alabama's passed a horrific law and we can get into those specifically and why they're terrifying um but reproductive rights and the way our bodies reproduce is incredibly complicated and the policies surrounding the complicated way in which we as humans create more humans is one reproduction is an amazing thing it's absolutely incredible that people can make more people sure like Like 3d printers right it's we (laughs) talked about how cool it was in our growth episode that you know plants can make more plants yeah um it's even cooler that humans can make more humans yeah and so when you live in society you have to have laws about a lot of things. And when people have live on top of each other, like in America, most of America, you have to have laws about more things. And we have laws about reproduction. There are laws about the rights for, you know, women. There are laws for rights about men. And I mean, you know, I want to say, well, there are, there are tons of rights. So depending on where you are, who you are, you know, what state you're in, what city you're in, what country you're in. And I'm obviously we're going to talk mostly about America today because we're both American. um, And that's what I know about. But reproduction is so complicated. And the laws that are in place, the reproductive laws that are in place are telling people when they can or cannot do anything about reproduction like well, there's, there's the laws, laws about everything and that's what makes it so complicated because there's laws surrounding you know birth there's laws surrounding birth control there's laws surrounding miscarriage there's laws surrounding you know insurance there's laws surrounding when you know what what constitutes rape there's laws surrounding what constitutes all of these things that then go into reproduction. So when we break down what it is that is, you know, goes into reproduction, you know, what forms of birth control are legal? How do we test birth control? And as we know right now, there are only hormonal birth control, FDA approved hormonal birth control for women. And not for men. And not for men. And that's unfair because why would women need to put something in their bodies as opposed to men? Well, there's just not an alternative for men. Right. And I believe that there's something, there's one right now that is in the FDA testing pipeline, but hormonal birth control is not an option for all women. So there are other birth control options. And this is just one facet of reproduction that 
has policy attached to it. It's regulated, right. And, you know, there are other, there's surgical birth control, you know, getting your tubes tied. Um, Having a full-on hysterectomy is a reproductive policy choice. You know, the things that, not not a policy choice, but things that are regulated through policy. You know, Mm -hmm. which doctors are allowed to perform these surgeries? What, you know, do they have to be on a specific medical board? Do they have to go through certain years of medical school? I see. And now, so that makes me think of if you're wanting to get one of these procedures done, who is anyone else in law to tell you yes or no? And such procedures don't, like plastic surgery, don't have these kind of things attached because technically it's not moral. Oh, they do. Okay. Because I'm thinking like- But they, but like, it depends on state, from state to state because- um, medical boards are licensed from state to state and with birth control, birth control was illegal in uh, certain states until, I'm going to get the year wrong, but let's say the late 60s. Okay. Until the Supreme Court ruled that it was a federally mandated right. The right to birth control was federally mandated. Which was kind of the drama with Penny and Dirty Dancing. Like, she didn't want to have Robbie's kid. Well, that was abortion, which came oh. later. Oh, gotcha. But that was... That, it, it, was a, it was a lead up to, like, the, the court case saying that there was a federal right to birth control was a lead up to the court case saying that there was a federal right to abortion. Got it. Which, yes, was what happened in Dirty Dancing. Got it. Um... But there are so many, like, reproduction and the reproductive rights and saying, you know, my body, my choice is not just about abortion. It's about all of these things that say, my body, my choice. I need to have the right to birth control. I need to have the right to say... I need to be have a, a safe gynecologist. I need to have the ability to say, give me um, the vaccination for uh, any type of sexually transmitted disease I might get. Because reproductive health care is also complicated. Like, reproduction in itself is complicated. It's not just, you know, man has sex with woman, baby come out. Yeah. And so there's so many things about abortion that are incredibly complicated which is why this idea that people are just pro-life or pro-choice is absolute garbage and absolute nonsense because it is never just that simple right it's very nuanced and it is everyone's incredibly complicated and you have to be able to understand exactly what's going on And so, like, there's a couple of things that I'd love to talk about. So in Georgia and Alabama, they pass these things called heartbeat bills, saying when they can detect a heartbeat is when abortion will be illegal. Most women don't know they're pregnant at that point. And they're also saying things like, you know, at six weeks is the cutoff date for abortion. You know, when you're six weeks pregnant, you will no longer be able to get an abortion. Okay. Isn't that when people usually... No. Well, the problem is, is when you're six weeks pregnant, usually it's 
four weeks after you've had sex. Because six weeks... The way that they measure the time of you being pregnant is from the date of your last period. So ovulation occurs for most people 10 to 12 days after the day of their last period. 10 to 12 days after. Right. Right. So you get a period and then about two weeks later you ovulate. Right. You get your period and then your period ends and then two weeks later you ovulate. And then... For most people. Yeah. And then two weeks after that you get your period again. Right. And so with these six-week bills, because they you don't actually know what date you had sex and what date that the sperm met the egg, what date right. that the egg actually implanted into the womb, you know, the, the medical date is, you know, what was the date of your last missed period? Got it, because it'll be in that span before you should have got the other one. Right. The only date you know is the date of your last missed period. I get it. So that's the first date of your pregnancy. So you're really pregnant. You are considered pregnant before you had sex. before you even conceived. Right. Got it. Okay. Which is not how we should be making laws. Gotcha. Like, that's fine if your doctor needs to say that because that's what the doctor needs to say. But if... We are considering putting women in prison and putting doctors in prison over whether or not she had sex with someone before or not. Like, now I'm getting a little preachy. But these six-week abortion bills, most women have not been pregnant for a month. Yeah. And, like, I think that's a really important distinction to think about because... It's not like women have known that they've been pregnant for six weeks and they have six weeks to think about, well, what can I do? Six weeks to think about, well, is there the ability to give up this baby for a dollar? Like, it, there, there's no six weeks to make up a moral decision. And it's, it's very politically manipulative because it's saying you can, but you can't. Right. Because, right, you can. Oh, but you're missing, you can't. Like, so it's like, it's manipulating the whole thing, which then... And most of the time... I've found that a lot of people, when talking about these things, don't actually understand how women's bodies and pregnancy actually works. And so when we talk about things like life and when does life actually start, because I was, I, you know, we both were, went to, you know, we were raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like, I made my first communion. I, I was confirmed and when you are raised Catholic, you are taught that life begins at conception. And so, like, I would like to talk about what that means. Oh, I'm intrigued. So when life, when you believe that life begins at conception, you believe that when the sperm meets the egg, that's when life begins. The problem with that notion is that if you've ever had sex, if you've ever ovulated and fertilized an egg, and that egg did not implant into your uterus, which is how pregnancy happens. The sperm meets the egg. The egg is fertilized. You then have a fertilized egg. Then in order for the pregnancy to proceed, it has to implant into the uterus where it grows and then becomes a zygote fetus and then comes out and you have a baby. Mm -hmm. 
I may have skipped a couple steps because I'm not a biologist, a human biologist person. We got you. Sure. But if that egg does not implant and it's just hanging out in your uterus, which happens all the time. Right. And you have a period. Then you've, your baby has died. Correct. <laughs> right. If that's what we're saying. Right. Right. Then like, are you a murderer? Right. Or is that a miscarriage? No. Well, that's See, these are the questions that I think are really, really, really important to ask. Hmm. Is that is this a miscarriage? Like, did did you where where do you grieve? Like, what? At what point are you supposed to feel a loss? Right, I see. And you know, what about if you actually, you know, you know. This is something that actually is a moral question that you need to figure out for your own self. And so when they say something like my body, my choice, it should also kind of be like my body, my morals, my choice, because it is yes. a very individualistic decision. It is. It, right. It so for someone, right. So for someone to put their moral judgment on your body and your morals is is like and that's what i mean about why i brought up plastic surgery because i think how like my body my choice like if i want to go under a knife to do to augment myself like is that not a problem because i'm not factoring in like what could potentially be another human it's only it's only myself that i'm making the decision for but you are only making the decision for yourself if it's your body that's going to be affected. Like if there's no human yet that's in pride, right? Like it does get very complicated because I, I, I think of like how, how most of the people like don't have a problem with plastic surgery because you, you say that someone's body and they're choosing to alter it. Like it doesn't seem as, as moral a thing. Well, if there's a, like there's, I think that's a, good question because like there's a bunch of different ways in which you could posit that to where you could kind of get the same moral questions like is it okay for a pregnant woman to get plastic surgery if there are also risks and like these are questions where each individual has to ask herself those questions right and what's funny or I don't even know if this plays into it but it's something I thought like we talked like last, it's interesting that this episode is coming after last week's physical health because we kind of did talk about this, but like to, to want or to get plastic surgery for something that seemingly isn't a problem except for how you perceive it or like, you know, wanting plastic surgery is kind of like a mental thing that you're trying to like um, address, right? Like I mentally don't like a part of myself and I want to feel better about a part. So, so that's usually grounded in some kind of we talked about last week like mental or emotional issue that needs to be addressed whereas you know abortion could be a very logical reason like there Absolutely. is like not emotional but like to say like i have thought this through and this does not make sense for my like it's it's actually a more pragmatic decision and, and it so should like, be between a woman and her doctor right Right. And like, but either one, like. And doctors don't normally allow women to make non-pragmatic decisions. And if they are, then they're bad doctors. And we should always be regulating bad doctors. Sure. 
if there are bad abortion doctors, we need to get rid of them. Yeah. Which is why we need to have safe abortions. Hmm. Like, women will die without safe abortions because no matter what, women will always look to get rid of unwanted pregnancies because there will never be a time where there it is acceptable for women to carry pregnancies to term where they will die otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, there are burdens that women face and and I, like so one in four women in their lives will go through with an elective abortion and sure. if you don't know someone who has had an abortion it's probably because they don't want to tell you about right. it right um I had an abortion when I was 23. Wow. My sister had one too. I was, and like, I don't feel the need to justify it, but I'm right. going to tell you the story anyway. Let's tell it. I was going through the drug trial for my migraine pills. Mm-hmm. And I was on birth control. And I was, I thought, being responsible. But. I, you know, I had, a, I had a great job. I was with Jeff. We were being responsible. But then I was pregnant. And, I mean, it, there was, I was, I was on, I don't know what drugs. Mm-hmm. Because it was a drug trial. Mm-hmm. And they were literally, I mean, the bottles were labeled drug A, drug B, drug C. And I was not in any place to raise a kid, I did not know what drugs I was on. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I found out, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I went and I made the appointments. Um, was it a discussion you and Jeff had together or was it a decision you made basically? It was a decision I made by myself. Okay. I told him what I was doing. It was also very early in our relationship. We had not Got been it. together for more than a year. And it was, I lived in New Jersey, so it was, I don't want to say that it, the process was easy. Okay. Um, and as far as surgeries go, it was simple. But, and I don't regret it at all, ever. I've never regretted it a day in my life. It was the right thing for me to do at the right time in my life. Um, I, I've, I told my parents, I told Jeff told his parents they were both supportive and it was a choice and it was and and everyone also the I got a little pushback on everyone saying you know weren't you on birth control were you know why weren't you being careful because Mm -hmm. I've always been the careful one sure you know and and I felt I I always felt a little bad about that because I was being careful. Right. So about what? The fact that like I was being careful, but oops, I slipped up. Like I made a mistake, like the guilt around the mistake. Yeah. So I found this thing out about two years ago when I went to my neurologist and started taking one of my new headache medicines. I found, so because it's a derivative of one of the medicines that they were drug trialing, 
once you go over a certain dose, it makes birth control pills ineffective. Hmm. And no one told me that during the drug trial at all. Mm-hmm. So the drug trial pills made my birth control pills less effective. And this guilt that I had about being, you know, slipping up or, you know, not feeling like I did, like I did something wrong mm-hmm. when, you know, birth control, like literally just is 99 or 98.9% effective, which, right. which means that even if you take it 100% correct, it's not a guarantee. Well, at, sorry, I have to figure out how it works is that even if you even if you take it 100% correct out of 1000 people 30 of them are still going to get pregnant hmm. so like <laughs> it just it just is like i and that sucks and like i i i got I, instead of shifting my guilt i got to shift my guilt from being a personal failure to being just a statistic. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Yeah. And it's, it's funny again, what we take on and like, because, you know, it's a choice. I feel like, like my sister um, also got an abortion with the last boyfriend she was with and she was in love with him, you know, but it was also a, a choice of like, this is not what we planned. And this is, not good right now and I think she was kind of having trouble with him so it wasn't something like she felt fully confident diving into and just on the note too of like good abortion doctors like she went to someone in our gynecologist's office Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was um if he was her gynecologist or not but he's the one that quote-unquote did the abortion only to find out weeks later that it implanted atopically so when they did Thank the God. Ab- well, when they did the abortion, he said it was done out of her uterus, but it was never in her uterus in the first place. And they didn't know this. So my sister, about four weeks after she supposedly got the abortion, her tube ruptured and she, 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 you know, we didn't tell my dad that she got the abortion. My mom knew I knew, but when it ruptured, like she ran to me in such pain and she knew what happened and I had to take it to the emergency room. She almost died that night. So it was like, it, she was internally bleeding and we knew what it was. And we tried to tell the hospital emergency room and like how long they were waiting or not. We couldn't get in touch with the doctor. The doctor knew like, he, like, the, like, shouldn't they have seen that from day one? I don't know. But well, so like, so like, that's one of the big, like, so ectopic pregnancies is one of the reasons why abortions need to exist and so when so but they didn't know like well that so because they're so hard to i don't know exactly because i don't i don't know enough about how it works but they're notoriously difficult to know because Hmm the way you find out you're pregnant is hormones. The way an abortion is usually done, especially early on, is they literally just essentially vacuum out right. or scrape out the uterus. Where it should be, right. 
exactly where it should be mm-hmm. and if the implantation happens inside the fallopian tubes instead of in the uterus there unless they don't do an ultrasound which probably should have been done which i feel like they did i, I was so confused by the whole thing it was just like the guy ended up like quitting the practice like a few years later and supposedly he was an alcoholic and he had trouble with his wife I don't know it was like a whole big thing but I just you know I just feel like it's a choice and it can be very pragmatic but there are like you were saying with the guilt like there are emotional and mental like like backlashes that last years and years and years like it isn't an easy choice right well neither is being and staying pregnant Right. Like I, and I feel like this is all, you know, another thing that women have to face and like womanhood man and like adulthood man. And like, you know, I feel like there's no equivalent for men. Like even if they would feel the emotional and physical side, I mean, emotional and um, mental side, they don't feel the physical part of it. Absolutely. Exactly. So it's just like, it's, it's just another way that we, I feel like need each other, like as women and just like why the community of us need to be so strong and why we can't keep, you know, why it's so important to support each other and talk to each other. Like I just, today I came from a bridal shower and just like, and I thought it was such a poignant, you know, afternoon to have knowing we were going to have this conversation because I'm sitting with these women, most of whom were strangers to me. And I was like, I'm so happy I'm making friends with these people who has kids, who doesn't, who's, you know, like, and you know, I was sitting with the teacher table. So not only were they, not only did I identify with my fellow women, but my fellow teachers. And I'm just like how she's talking about maternity leave, what she did on this and how she breastfed in school. Like I am just absorbing this energy and absorbing this knowledge going like, there's no other way besides just being with each other and being a community, like in these three hours of this shower that I would ever like get this information in a real way. Like, I think yes. it's kind of a, a tie-in to what this episode's about and what this week's been about. Well, and I think that that's such an incredible point because women who already have children are the women who need abortion and have abortion more than any other group of women. That's interesting. It's that's interesting. And and um, so you can link to them in the show notes. The Gutmacher Institute has all the stats that you need on abortion. They are the abortion. But- it's G U T T M A C H E R. Um, they do all of the stats. They are the the, the people. They are. God, you're so good at this. They're awesome. <laughs> um, well, this is what I really wanted to to do, and then yeah. When I figured two hundred thousand dollars of debt, uh, and then reproductive lawyers, <laughs> reproductive rights lawyers would make you know thirty five thousand dollars a year, and I was like, oh, that just really is not. It just is not the is not that does the math doesn't add up. Yeah, so it's it's crazy. Um, but <sighs> women need to have these conversations because. Um, we've been talking about elective abortions, but abortion is not just an elective abortion. Abortions are the medical term for when the body decides that 
it is not going to keep the whatever stage of development the fetus the zygote whatever it is the body is like no i'm not we're not we're done and so if you have a miscarriage um and you can't pass it naturally you have to go in for a surgical procedure sometimes that's the same as an abortion it's the same procedure um and a lot of the things that are so worrisome about these laws that are passing is that women and their doctors are going to be criminalized for miscarriages and what you know what's the fine line there, there there's going to be a very fine line between having an abortion and having a miscarriage and right. i don't say that lightly I, because there are things that we as women do to abuse our bodies that cause miscarriages right we can drink to excess we can physically abuse our bodies we can do things that cause negative effects which will render our bodies incapable of continuing a pregnancy. Right. It's, you know, not inconceivable to believe that these lawmakers who are hell-bent on hurting women, and, and I do straight up believe hurting women, by outlawing abortion and prosecuting doctors to prosecute miscarriages. Yeah. And are they going to have, like, miscarriage police? What's, what is going to happen? Right. No, I hear your point. And the whole crim like, I've been, you know, we've been seeing it in social media this week because what happened this week. And, like, I read something on, like, that said the penalty to doctors for aborting after rape is, like, 10 to 99 years, but the penalty for rapists for rape is, like, 10 to 20. Yeah, that's so- in Alabama. So, right. So if it's less for the rapist and more for the one aborting the rape, like then it, the next line was like, that proves that it's an outright war on women. So then I need to say, do you feel that it's a war on women? Like you said, it's, 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 it's purposely meant to cause women pain, but like. And there's I, another thing in the, I think it's the Alabama law. Yeah, it is the Alabama law where they carved out an exception for uh, IVF. Where embryos, not embryos, I'm sorry, fertilized eggs in IVF can be discarded no problem by the IVF banks. Right. I did read that somewhere too. I have absolutely no problem with anyone who does IVF. I mean, please, you know, your body, your choice. If you need to have a baby via surrogate, if you need to use IVF, do whatever you need to do so that you can make the family of your dreams. I mean, please don't do whatever you need to do because, like, we have some creepy people out there. But, you know, within reason. Sure. But if we're protecting all life and we believe that life begins at, you know, conception, you cannot be throwing out fertilized eggs at – that's, like – I mean, that's – Right, like, inconsistencies. Mind explode. Inconsistencies. And that's what – George Carlin has a great like 10 minute skit 
all about pro-life. And he says that he goes, I'm just saying inconsistencies. I'm just saying, so he'll, he, I will link to that in the show notes because he points them all out. But he says, you know, conservatives are in favor of the unborn, but once you're born, you're on your own. And he says, uh, if you're pre-born, you're fine. But if you're preschool, you're fucked. Like all the things that they don't believe that like preschool age children should get, like welfare and like they all fight against that. So what does that mean? Like you're trying to save like unborn fetuses and as soon as they're born they have no way to live a good life like it just like does it you know so then he says too in it in that skit he says you know they're they're concerned with you before you're pre-born and then they only care about you again to your military age because they want live babies to be born so they can grow up to be dead soldiers and i was like holy shit like it just the things that come out of his mouth i'm just like it just and then his whole point was you know pro-life people are not pro-life they're anti-women and then that wrapped me back around to like this term war on women like what is that even like how why would anyone want that like they just want to regulate because they only believe that like women's like main function is to breed like i don't understand the correct that that's what our priority like someone's judging that that's what our bodies are for yeah and if we're not doing that with our bodies then we're doing an immoral wrong thing and we should be able to policy you on that. That's Correct. what they think. The way that they say you're, it's wrong to kill someone. Like you can't be a murderer and just go out and shoot someone in the head. They think that that's the same thing as like... I think it's, I, I think you know? it's trying to be a little bit more of a... Well, no, that's... I think it's more like... Well... That wasn't a good analogy, but I'm just saying the way that you have a law. Part of it is because pro-life donors give them a lot of money. (sighs) Money, man. And and I'm not talking about, you know, the rural people who go to church every Sunday and believe in, um, you know, you know, low income rural people. I'm talking about mega church owners. I'm talking about people who want to see other people put on federal benches and create rulings that will help foster in a class of judiciary that will overturn Roe v. Wade, because that is what this entire thing is about. Um, that's why Brett Kavanaugh was allowed to become the next Supreme court justice because this entire thing is about overturning roe v wade and roe v wade again remind us all is roe v wade is the supreme court case that said if you are an american citizen you have the right to an abortion without undue burdens um which really has been the way that they kind of nickel and dime you and find little ways sure. to say what an undue burden is. Right. Um, but that was the Supreme Court case that said, if you are an American citizen, you have the right to an abortion without undue bur- burdens. And state governments and other government entities cannot create laws that stand in your way of accessing that right. Got it. Um. And so right after that court case passed, states have been coming 
at it with new laws trying to make the Supreme Court overturn it in some way or another. And now that Brett Kavanaugh has taken his seat on the bench and there's a conservative majority on the Supreme Court again, they, the states, they, the states, are all rewriting their abortion laws so that they will get appealed, so that they will get a chance to be looked at by the Supreme Court again, so that Roe v. Wade will have a chance of being overturned. Because that is the ultimate goal. I see. And, like, I don't really know what to do about that other than, you know, make sure that you live in a state that has solid abortion laws. If you live in a state, you know... Contact your state representatives, contact your state senators, tell them that it's important for you to codify abortion rights into your state constitution, because that's where this is going to go back to. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, then it will go back to states' rights, because before Roe v. Wade, there were states where abortion was legal. There were states where abortion was illegal. Um, and if that's where we're going then it's important that there are places where abortion is safe and legal. Right. And we can't have things like Georgia, who want to create criminal trespassing laws for anyone who tries to leave the state of Georgia to get an abortion in another state and jail that woman or anyone who tries to help her, which is... That is true. It is part of their law. Oh, boy. So I don't, like, don't know what you're going to do. Are you going to start jailing bus drivers and Uber people? Are you going to jail people whose houses they go to visit in other states? I'm not sure what to what end are these bills and laws trying to get. Because right. if you want to hurt people... And put doctors in jail for 99 years, but you're willing to throw out thousands of fertilized eggs in IVF facilities. You're not helping anyone. Right. If we're talking about millions of babies, then let's talk about the millions of babies that are in the immigration detention camps that the president has set up. Right. The, the the tens of thousands of families and children he's separated. Like, yeah. if we care about the life of people, yes. let's care yeah. about life. Like, Well, that's what I mean. It sounds like pro-existence. Like, it isn't pro-life because they're, they're eliminating the livelihood of people in other ways all the time. Right. All of it. Well, so and, and, like, and if Alabama... <laughs> If Alabama really cares about being pro-life, then they need to stop being the number one state in, I, what is it called, when you kill people via the death penalty? Capital I, punishment? Yeah, I, like, I literally number one death penalty deaths. Like, they also, 
I think that, what was the one that I read? Their fourth highest in cervical cancer deaths? Like, do something about the people who are already living instead of caring so much about people who don't yet exist that the people who already are alive, you're killing. Right. Right. Which is kind of like the kicker that George Carlin, the punchline of George Carlin's, but it's, you know, I also read something that's sort of related enough, but it said something, it was from old bitches of Instagram, I think is the handle, but she said, uh, if abortion is murder, then a blowjob is cannibalism. Oh, I like that. And I, I, I mean, I mean, it doesn't, it exactly doesn't apply, but I just, I found the humor in it because if you're sick, like, then any act, any sexual act, like you're saying, sex, reproduction is just a complicated thing. Like any sexual act that isn't like penis and vagina making baby is technically like a waste of life then, right? <laughs> like, I just feel like you're right. Like, where do you draw the line? Then stop giving blowjobs. That's immoral too. Like, I don't, I don't know. And like, that's the people who have abortions are not the people you think are having abortions and the people who need to have abortions are not people who are going to come out and start telling you their stories because you're some asshole saying that abortions are shitty like yeah and yeah sorry no it's okay um abortions are necessary medical procedures because sometimes women can't sustain being pregnant because they will literally die right and but see like i don't think that legislators are are thinking of that when they make these laws like i think which is why they have no business making these laws correct and i feel like i apply it the metaphor that's flying through my brain is me with teaching right i went back to teaching Teachers have a hard time because the people making laws about teach for teachers and how teachers should teach in the curriculum and all that nonsense are people that think they're in their brain. They think if they hand me a workbook that I could actually hold in my hand and use to teach a kid that I will put my feet up and do nothing and be a waste of space and rook the system and then, you know, oh, whatever. So they take that away because they think it's going to turn every teacher into this lazy of shit that won't do their job so they take it away and they and they don't want us to have resources because they want to say no no work and create it yourself and blah 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 so i think of that because i think the people think that we're just gonna have sex all the time and we could get rid of you know what i mean like i think they think worst case scenario of like that we're just gonna spread our legs get pregnant i don't want this let's get an abortion this weekend let's get one like i literally think that that's where their brain is at they just think that we would use it as a this get out of jail free card every other weekend. You know what I mean? They're not right really... because everyone yeah. is like, oh yeah, the thing that I want to do on my free Saturday night is go down to the abortion plex and have right. an abortion because right. that's the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. Everyone's just saddling up to just have vagina surgery all the time. Right. And that's what I think. They think like it's that they are afraid it's going to become this free for all. And I'm like, I don't think that's anyone's like ammo. <laughs> and it's it's a it's yeah. a really disturbing generalization, right? And it's 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 a disturbing thought pattern on 
the part of policymakers that you don't trust doctors, let alone women, because we know that policymakers don't trust women, but you don't trust doctors enough to help women make decisions on their behalf. Right. And I feel the same way about like welfare. Like they think like, oh, everyone's going to take advantage. Like everyone just, they just assume that everybody's a piece of shit that's going to take advantage of every Probably because they are all pieces of shit that take advantage of everything that they can take advantage of. Right. Right. Which is shitty. Right. Like life is hard and making decisions is hard and growing up is hard and change is hard and having a body is hard. Like, so all these decisions, I don't think anyone takes lightly. If you're struggling, like, I just don't think that anyone would be like, I don't have to like the majority of people wouldn't be like, I don't have to work. I could just go on welfare. Yay. Like free and money. Like I don't think there are those people. Why yeah. are we going to punish 95% of the right. rest of them? Right. Yes. Like we can't start punishing 95% of people because 5% of people just are we'll shitty. Advantage. Right. Yes. I agree. Like, and I think that's the root is that they're, they're just, especially like, if you are a person with cancer and you can't take birth control pills and you're on chemo and you're on radiation and are you supposed to just give up having sex with your husband? Like, even if you use condoms, if a condom breaks, like, uh, and you accidentally get pregnant, you know, even if you are on, like, if, if you are a, sick with something else or, you know, if you are in a you work with a poison somewhere and some other reason and you accidentally get pregnant for whatever reason right just because politicians think that there are some people somewhere just gaming the system right doesn't mean that you can punish every single other person in the world because you don't understand how bodies work, how lives work, how humans work, and the way the rest of the world works. You can't just shut your whole mind off to the way that life works because it's inconvenient for you. I agree. And I think that's kind of what's happening in this whole thing. Yeah, and you just, like, a lot of the thing is, especially now when things have become so hyper-partisanized, is you just want your side to win. Hmm. Interesting. Right. And when you don't see that your side winning means that a lot of people are going to die, you know, it sucks. It sucks because you're not going to open your eyes because opening your eyes means that you have to realize that your truth is not just a little bit wrong. It's really, 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 really wrong. And it hurts a lot of people. Hmm. I hear you. This, you know, we do what we do on this show, but this topic is just another one of those, like, there really is no way to end this show in like a very closure type of way. It's just going to kind of like linger off. Yeah, no, well, like yeah. contact your people, like talk to whoever it is that you want to talk to about this. Right. 
contact your representatives. Talk to your best friend. Talk to your mom. Talk to your sister, your cousin, your BFF. Well, that's what it is. Like talking to you about this kind of thing always makes me feel more informed, more aware, and just stronger in general as a woman in this world. So thank you because I feel like you do that for me all the time. I'm glad to be that person. So that, but then, you know, on a personal level, yeah, like I think like, like what do we do as women on a personal level? Like I feel like that's what this show does. This show like, you know, opens, rips open topics and, you know, how we can be crafty. Sometimes we talk about like fun, creative things to do, but like we know that this is like the core of like also what keeps us going, these kind of shows. Um, But then I think like, okay, so now the big topic is open, but literally where could I start? So I love like talking to you and listening to you. And then like just looking at my immediate circle, I'm going like, how can the issues, how can I make sure I communicate the issues to them? You know, but still, I don't know. Like I I think of my new boyfriend in that way. I mean, he's, he's really good, but I feel like, you know, I'm with someone now who loves and appreciates the fact that I'm a woman and, you know, he views me as a partner, but like once that ever like went away, or if that ever went away, like I would need to know for me that, that that would not be acceptable. You know what I mean? Like just to make decisions for yourself in that way. I don't know. Absolutely. I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like I always feel like we crack open these topics and then it's up to us to be informed and aware and feel strong and then turn inward and go get to our like personal world. Like what in our personal world is going to keep the gears turning? Well, I think we talked a lot today about like things you really need to decide for yourself. Like when for you is when for you does life start? And like when for you, like if, if you thought about it, and I think this is a good thought exercise for all of us of like, if I got pregnant, what would I do? Right. Because it can happen. Even if you are the most careful, it can still happen. Correct. Having that conversation. Yeah. And think, think of like, you know, what birth control are you using right now? Are you happy with your birth control? Do you want to switch to something else? Think of the other things that you can switch to. Do you want a more permanent birth control solution? Do you, like, want to switch to uh, an IUD um, because they're more permanent and then you don't have to think about taking a pill every day? I have to take 17 pills, like, every day, and hormonal birth control also helps my headaches. So I really like taking the pill. Um. For people who don't have a set schedule every day, taking one pill every day near the same time can be very difficult. Yeah. I've never I've never taken the pill, but I have a lot of um, trepidation about it because I don't I I don't want to ingest something that I know is gonna alter my body. It's just a feeling that I have about it. Sure. Some people don't do well on hormonal birth control at all. Right. Hormonal um, anything I'm kind of fearful of, whether I know I've never tried it, but like I just have this like hesitation about it. But well, that's like, a personal choice. Totally. And like so a copper IUD could be a really good choice. Um, that's and, an inserted one. Yes. And the insertion can be slightly painful, but like it's painful for like 10 or 15 minutes and then you're good for like three to five years. Hmm. Um, Until you, you want to try it, then they have to remove it. Then they take it out. You can get one implanted in your arm. You can get the shot. You can get... And so, like, there are a million different ways that you can check out 
how you want to do your birth control. Mm. And so that could be a way that you look into this. And searching different birth control methods will also get you more familiar with how the reproductive process works. Hmm. And the different ways in which the birth control methods stop the, or alter the reproductive process. Um, Because learning about how it all works will help you figure all of these things out. And I think that, like, the only way that you're going to have answers to these questions is to just ask them of yourself and just, like, really think about them. And it can help having another person to talk them out with. But sometimes that other person can be your journal. It can be, you know, an art journal. It can be a scrapbook. It can be just literally your head. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me think, too, just on the last note, maybe we can go more into this in After Chatter. But I think, like, a lot of how I reflected about this episode and just, like, womanhood, right? Like, a lot of things happened this week that just interfered with us being women. And then I thought, like, but on a very smaller personal scale, I think we all kind of struggle with just, like, what it means to be a woman, like even like not even our body or like, yes, our bodies, but like in the relationships we're in or like how we perceive. And this is also a very, this is a, I guess like it's more a feminist topic, but like how we perceive our role in the world. Like, I think that kind of ties into how like unacceptable we would take a ruling like this week. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm the type of person who just now as a woman in her thirties is saying like, wait, Like I'm doing all that reflecting that maybe didn't come so naturally because as a woman in the world today and and womanhood in general, we're taught be polite. We're taught shut up. We're taught, like you know, again, it's that feminism conversation. But I think it ties into our reaction and our relationship to our bodies and our choices about it. Like, oh, maybe someone does know better. Like that shit goes on in my head all the time. Like I'm I'm not even the authority of myself. My mom knows better. Like my dad knows better. Like even just growing up as a what, like I, I don't, That's what I mean. I feel like there's also a mental component of womanhood and a conditioned component of womanhood that ties into this, like, topic and conversation about abortion and about policy and whatever. We have to rethink that, too. Right. And I think that that comes through questioning of all of these things and questioning of what you think and why you think it. And does this really work the way that I think it works? And what happens when we have an exception to the rule. Yeah. And And, what do we want to do about the exceptions? And how much of my functioning is an automatic conditioning that I'm just not realizing is part of like what I've been taught and what I've been used to. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We can absolutely get into more of this in after chatter. I would love to do this. What, what makes a woman and what is womanhood is one of my favorite questions. So exciting. All right. Find us at uh, patreon.com slash crafty female for the after chatter show. And we will be back next week with another great episode. Uh, if you guys want to talk to us more about this, you guys can find us on discord throughout the week for chatting and learn more about that at uh, crafty female.com slash discord. And for all episodes and all sorts of, 
more wonderful things about the show, you can go to craftyassfemale.com slash episodes. We love you and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.